Hi, this is Candace Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. And today, for Movie Monday, I'm going to talk about From Up on Poppy Hill, a Japanese animated film released by Studio Jihibli in 2011. This version was dubbed in English through HBO Max. Set in 1963, Umi, along with her brother and sister, are living in a boarding house provided by their grandmother, while their mother is studying abroad in America. Their father has died leaving Umi with the task of household cook. When she isn't providing meals to her house guests, Umi raises flags for the ships in the harbor below the hill to see as they sail by. Her father was a sailor that died from an explosion when she was a little girl. Raising and lowering, lowering these flags every morning is more like a nod to her father than an, act, an actual task entrusted with her. While managing her... Student life and academics, Umi meets student newspaper writer Shun after he and other quarter Latin club members perform a a stunt in protest of the old clubhouse's demolition. A friendship is struck between the two that quickly becomes more after a dinner party at the boarding house. Unfortunately, a secret is discovered that threatens to tear the two apart before romance even starts. The themes I found interesting throughout the film are as follow, uh, family, accelerated maturity, uh, specifically in young girls slash gender roles, past trauma slash damage, uh, sacrifices, mystery, betrayal, routine, honor, legacy, and communication. First up, family. Even though Umi and her brother and sister are the primary occupants of the ho- of the home, they share. They also share with the grandmother, uh, who owns the house, and multiple single women. Whether they're widowed or divorced isn't explained, and honestly, it doesn't really matter. Uh, they need a home, and one is provided for them as long as they pay their fair share. But the way everyone treats each other is like family. Everyone has their own role. And if one lacks in one area, someone comes behind and offers support to that uh, specific person. Or in that, in that particular moment, they offer their support. In the beginning of the film, Umi starts the day with raising the flags and then starts breakfast and preparing lunches. I was a bit concerned initially with her role in doing so because it just further perpetuates the stereotype, the gender stereotype, that the more mature female in the household has to take on more responsibility since the elder, which would be the grandmother, in the house can't take on the workload for that many people. Granted, it is her grandmother's house, so she shouldn't have to lift the finger, but there's a scene where Umi's younger brother doesn't want to help her out simply because he said so. The elder in the room, which would again be the grandmother, doesn't make him help Umi, but Umi is expected to get the job done regardless, which I didn't think was fair. There's still remnants of damage from the past wars. In this film, it's World War II and the Korean War, as evidenced by Umi's routine flag raises for safe voyage. That's what the flag raises mean. The flags specifically mean the ones that she raises for the ships sailing by, but also with Shun's existence alone. The trauma is still there from the millions of orphans single parents and guardians left to care for other people's children. One point made in favor of tearing down the quarter Latin clubhouse 
was to move forward away from the past and start anew, similarly to the upcoming 1964 Summer Olympics in Tokyo, which was a fresh start for the city and for the country alone. Uh, however, the counterpoint to that was in order to move forward, you had to acknowledge and understand the past to begin with. This instance also presents the themes of honor and legacy outright versus the subtleties that are hinted at us, I guess, hinted for us as the audience as the storyline progresses. Umi sacrifices her youth and time to tend to the household duty of preparing meals. Her mother sacrifices time with her children to pursue a higher education to better provide for her family. Shun sacrifices his affections towards Umi to protect himself and her from a devastating secret. Other major sacrifices were made from other characters in the film, but more information was spoiled for those who haven't seen it yet. For a brief time, tension between Umi and Shun is shrouded in mystery and betrayal, but thankfully all is resolved shortly thereafter, all thanks to the communication between the two characters. Which actually surprised me because typically in films involving teenagers, there's added complicities, unnecessarily so. Uh, hurtful words are usually shouted, gossip, and shame, but none of that happened. That may be chalked up to the fact that Umi has grown up quickly, taken care of multiple people in a boarding house, and Shun's strict daily responsibilities with the school paper, and also he has his own... Uh, not family issues, but he lives further away. He lives downtown, so he has to quickly get home before his family worries. And while they worry so much, it's also included in the film, but I don't want to spoil it for any of you. Uh, lastly, routine. Umi continues on with volunteering with the, at the Quarter Latin and upkeeps with her duties at home, even when she was deeply hurt by recent discoveries. Shun continued working alongside Umi with the school newspaper and helping to prevent the quarter Latin from demolition. Even after they patched things up, their routines continue, uh, continued on, I should say, as normal as they can be, I guess you can say, which I liked because it shows just because someone has come into you or even left out of your life it, that doesn't mean life has to drastically change, it has to stop, or you have to switch up your routine to make yourself feel better. Maybe you do sometimes, and sometimes you really don't. But it shows how important routine is to function in most people's lives, whether it be school, work, or household chores. Overall, I I enjoyed this film. It um, The story didn't drag on, but it didn't lose me or any of its plot points by only being 90 some odd minutes long. Um, if you need your studio Jihibli quick fix, this is definitely a movie for you. So this one was short and sweet. I think just because uh, it was an hour and a half long and it was kind of, you know, in the middle, at a beginning, middle, and ends, it was very much what you see is what you got. Um, I'm thinking. I'll be watching more and more of these Studio Ghibli movies because I, I I think HBO Max pretty much has all of them you can think of on there, and this one I think was the shortest one out of all of them. The other ones were like two hours, maybe ten to fifteen minutes. So this one was short and sweet. Again, the movie is called 
um, from Up on Poppy Hill on HBO Max. It was dubbed in English out in 2011. It's got a bunch of people on there that I'm assuming we all know, like Jamie Lee Curtis and Jillian Anderson, um, Bo Bridges. There were some other people on there, too, um, that I can't really think of right now, but I was kind of surprised that they were in this film. But yeah, again, from Up on Poppy Hill by Studio Jahibli on HBO Max. If you have it, I would recommend watching it. Again, it's only 92 minutes. So, again, this has been K.S. Garner, and you've been listening to Solo Nerdboard Podcast. Thank you.